Hello, Michigan State fans. We're back uh, with another edition of the Press Quarters podcast. I'm Andrew Bell. I'm joined by Ronnie Plazinski. And we are here to talk about probably the best week, uh, best past week of Michigan State sports uh, that Michigan State sports has had in, I I don't know how long, a couple of years at least. Uh, The Spartan basketball team went 2-0, including a huge win in Cameron, uh, indoor stadium against Duke, uh, beating the Blue Devils by five. Izzo's first win at Duke ever. Uh, they also absolutely annihilated Notre Dame uh, prior to that um, in, a, in a game that wasn't as close as the 10-point margin of victory uh, it would make it seem. But but uh, before either of those games tipped off, uh, the Spartan football team took on the eighth-ranked Northwestern Wildcats in East Lansing as, what were they, Ronnie, a 13-point underdog? Yeah, Is that right? 13 and, a, 13 and a half at game time. 13 and a half, right, and ended up winning by by nine in one of the more inexplicable ways to end a game ever, a uh, botched series of laterals resulting of the ball rolling in the end zone and uh, Kalen Gervin falling on it for six extra points. Uh, but regardless, um, MSU, who had lost their previous two games by a combined score of 73 to seven, if you can believe that, came out against Northwestern uh, and really took it to the Wildcats on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Uh, they played a tighter game than expected and got Mel Tucker's first top 10 win. Uh, Ronnie, where do you uh, where do you rank this win in terms of importance? Um, what did you see? Uh, how, how did they go from looking absolutely inept to uh, looking like a team that might actually give the Buckeyes uh, uh, make the Buckeyes break a sweat this weekend? Well, uh, we'll we'll see about the Buckeyes, and we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I mean, just o- overall, one of the most impressive things that we've seen from Tucker is the way the team has responded week in and week out from you know adversity from the, the previous weekend. You know, after the Rutgers game, I think we were all pretty upset, but the way the team has evolved and improved from week to week has been super impressive. And this win comes against a good five and zero top ten Northwestern team. This isn't you know, a normal flash and mirrors Northwestern team. I mean, this team was good. They were very strong defensively and Michigan state straight up came out and punched them in the mouth and and they got a win. And and the most impressive thing I think was um, there's a lot of individual performances to talk about, but the development, the coaches have been able to implement over the last five weeks, not getting spring ball has been overly impressive. And I think, a good place to start would be how good the offensive line actually played. We have been saying all year that that was, you know, the, one of the most important unit and had been the worst unit um, up to this point. And actually against a good Northwestern defensive line, the offensive line, you know, didn't allow a sack against Rocky Lombardi opened up holes for our running back. I think, you know, Connor Hayward had one of his best games and I think he was just so shocked. He wasn't getting hit behind the line. Um, I mean, there were holes there. There was running room. I I was super impressed by Kapilovic and what he did with this offensive line in just five short weeks. I mean, it made all the difference. And that was the best offensive running performance I remember from our offensive line, like the way the holes were there since 2015. And that bodes very well for the future, especially because Kapilovic doesn't even have his guys. Maybe that's a little hyperbole. Andrew, do you agree with that with the offensive line improvement from week to week? I, I thought it was very impressive. I, you know, I thought probably the best thing for the program uh, in retrospect was having the Maryland game canceled. Um, the, the 
biggest issue they've had is is the inability. I, they only had so much time this fall, and they had to split it either you could either work on fundamentals or you could get your offense and defense installed. They went with the latter. And so they didn't have a lot of chance to just, just coach um, and, and get guys to, to get better. And um, they finally had that bye week to, to work on fundamentals. And you, you saw a much cleaner game uh, out of the Spartans. And what we, we said all along, um, you, you know, MSU really struggled, has struggled with turnovers, um, you know, they, they were, uh, I think they were plus three in this game ultimately, um, with the two fumble recoveries and the two interceptions. Um, and, and they ended up winning the game because of it, uh, because they were the more disciplined team. You know, I think Fitzgerald had some like sour grapes comment about, you know, you know, we just didn't execute well enough versus them or some, some jazz like that. Uh, but you know, Connor Hayward's a guy we've dogged for, for a long time, um, as a, as, as a, a good football player without a position really. And, uh, we, we were always lamenting, oh, he's playing running back. Oh, he's playing running back. Oh, it's terrible. You know, but look, 96 yards on 24 carries 4.0 yards a carry, even with a long of 12, he kept the chains moving. He kept the, um, he kept, he held onto the ball, which is really important. Um, and he pass protected well, and uh, then you have Collins coming in. He chipped in, I think, another like thirty-five yards on twelve carries. Uh, it, it was enough, and they finally had a balance to the offense. You know, uh, Rocky hits one long, long bomb. Um, you know, the intermediate game wasn't great, but Northwestern actually has the number one rated pass efficiency defense in the country, uh, and that's you know after playing Graham Mertz, who was you know had a really high quarterback rating. Um, you know, they've I think they've played Purdue already. Um, so they've played, they faced some pretty good passing attacks and shut them down. So this is a very, very good secondary. I, we had talked about that, um, you know, back and forth. Um, but you know, we, we ultimately didn't have a podcast last week because of Thanksgiving and everything. Uh, but, but that's a, that wasn't a smoke and mirrors win, right? It wasn't a, um, it was not a, a, it wasn't one where there were like three pick sixes, you know, in a block punt, um, the, the plays on the ball by Shakir Brown were excellent. I mean, they were just playmaker play guy, guys making plays on the ball. I thought Xavier Henderson nearly had that interception, which would have been a sports center top 10 worthy ripping it, ripping the ball down across the middle. Um, you're, you're seeing the team play just, um, tighter. I mean, Ronnie, I, 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 with the people exiting the program, do you think, do you think a message was sent in the bye week that, Hey, it's, you know, it's time to tighten things up. Or do you think the coaches just said, all right, you know what, we know who our players are and we're just going to focus on, on the, on the guys that are going to contribute to wins and, and cut down the rotation a bit. Um, yeah. T- Tucker, Tucker talked a little about, a little bit about it in his press conference. What, you know, he said, this is what football practice is supposed to sound like. And I think, right. When there's a change in the guard, a change in a staff, that there's always a lot of, you know, there's there's not everyone's always buys in right away. You have a core group that buys in, but everyone else takes time or adjustments and to understand the system. And I think it took time, but I think finally everyone kind of bought in and it can kind of go towards one common goal. Now, this team is not a world beating team. Rocky Lombardi is what he is, but they showed a lot of 
poise and a lot of fight. And, and I think there's some few a few key plays. I think that Michigan State going in front early is very important. I think that when Rocky Lombardi has to bring a team back with his arm, ultimately that's, you know, concerning. It's not something that's going to go very well. But, you know, Antoine Simmons on that fourth and one stop. I mean, Michigan State stopped Northwestern. Um, I, I think third and one, and then I'm fourth and one early in the game on their first offensive drive to get the ball back. Two plays later, he hits Jalen Naylor for, I think it was 85-yard touchdown pass or 75 yards. Either way, that was a huge play to keep Northwestern off the scoreboard, going for it on fourth down instead of taking points, and then getting the touchdown. Something else that was super impressive was that you know, Michigan State was fortunate to go up. You know, I think it was they started seventeen nothing. Right. They, they made the, Shakur Brown has the interception. They made plays to go up. They deserved it. Northwestern came back. You know, they came back. Right. They took the lead, and Michigan State didn't quit. And they could have. They could have absolutely been like, "Oh, we were in the lead. This is a top ten team." Rocky throws an interception. Instead of that, they showed more fight. Northwestern got a little cute, which was dumb. You know, we got the ball back. Yes, it and was. Made, <laughs> made two huge play. You know, you know. For everything we say about Coughlin, he's not the best kicker, but I don't know how he made that that long the knuckleball. Yeah, I don't understand. It was going against the wind into the. Who knows how it happened? But the team made plays. They came up big when they needed it, and it was very impressive. Yeah, I think, and I think I, I want to highlight a few things. First of all, I mean Fitzgerald was. I, I don't like the guy particularly. I think he's a bit arrogant and he hasn't always had the team to show it, but going for it on fourth and one early in the game, instead of taking the field goal, I, I thought was a sign that he didn't really respect MSU and when state and when state, I mean, they, they uh, blew it up as a, I mean, they exploded that play. I mean, I think, I think it was Naquan or, or, or Jalen hunt. I mean, they just threw the guard or the center, two yards back in the backfield. I mean, it was, it was done. It was done at the snap. And uh, I think that it, it goes a lot. To, that go, that it goes a lot to the character of the team. And one of my concerns with how they weren't, they, you know, they basically didn't show up tough for, against Iowa with, you know, Rocky's interceptions, everything kind of spiraled out of control. That happens. I, I, people kind of forget D'Antonio had that happen to him at Iowa in 2010 in his fourth year. Uh, you know, an undefeated top 10, number five ranked MSU team went in there. I think they lost like 37 to six or something. Uh, and yet Darrell Johnson, Culiano's throwing passes in the fourth quarter, the wide receiver. Uh, so, so I, I don't want you to think that, you know, this was the only time MSU has ever gotten, you know, smoked on the road because that, that's happened before, even under the best coach they've had. Uh, but I was a little concerned that, the, you know, they, they got shut out against Indiana. And I'm thinking, oh, geez, you know, that's even though the defense fought really hard in the second half, it, you know, this isn't a, things can go off the rail pretty fast. I mean, you saw what happened to Penn State after they had a couple tough losses. Uh, you saw what's happened to Michigan this year. Um, and to see the team rally in the bye week and come out and, and fight through and get a win. And the way they did, you're right. The, the com- coming back from you know taking taking a punch from a top t- from a legit top ten team. Okay, maybe not top ten, maybe top fifteen, whatever the case is. A, a, a good team, um, and looking like they're equal at the line of scrimmage. I mean, Ronnie Northwestern absolutely stymied Wisconsin as ground game just the week prior. Okay, that is a credit to the offensive line. 
And that's got to be the that's got to be the story of the game because if there's any yeah. hope for this offense in the not this year but in the coming years, it's offensive line development. And one of the things we were lamenting is okay, you know, it, it is a process, but man, it'd be great to see some progress. It'd be great to see some progress. We saw it. That 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 Major is your progress. Th- it, it is. It is. Samac Samac played Samac played his best game as a Spartan. Duplain played very well. Akuri graded out on Pro Football Focus. I don't know who follows that, you know, in the light blue, which is, you know, a very strong um, representation right. of how he played. And that kind of development on a, a very young offensive line only bodes well for the future. And Kapilovic, who has obviously had, you know, influence, because I, I will tell you, I, I hate to belinger you know belabor mark staten but he would not have had the offensive line performing as it did this weekend and that that just bodes so well going forward and it can really turn the program around quicker um talking about line play and a few players i think we want to point out uh, i wanted to get your opinion on angelo gross the kid was all over the field you know we talked about him in the iowa game maybe not knowing the defense very well you know played super well michael fletcher a young freshman comes in you know he he can turn the corner. It looks like he has some bend. He didn't record a tackle, but I, I thought he was, you know, in on a lot of plays and made a difference. And, and the defensive line has continued to be good. Andrew, what did you see from Gross? The defensive line. I mean, yeah. it's very, it's very impressive. And there are some young players on this team. You know, credit to D'Antonio and his staff recruiting that can really help this program move forward faster than maybe we thought. Well, and, that, and that's my my opinion is that is that during that bye week, Tucker took the opportunity to go through and decide who, who his players were. You know, who who's going to be with the team in twenty twenty one and beyond? Who can help them win now? And I, I I think that's where I mean they they were playing five running backs against Indiana or something like that. I mean that's absurd. Uh, you saw you saw two guys really get carries, and you saw the efficiency that came with with limiting the carries and letting guys get into rhythm. And uh, a guy like Angelo Gross, a guy like Michael Fletcher, uh, two other guys, and this is going to probably be music to to state fans' ears. Um, uh, Spencer Brown and uh, James Ahomba were both singled out by Kapovic, uh during his press conference as guys that it, it, they're they're not going to play this year, play a big role this year, but they're absolutely figuring into the future. And, you know, Spencer Brown at, at either right or left tackle and then a home at the interior line. It's nice to hear about uh, young linemen uh, taking those steps forward. But I mean, Angelo Gross, I mean, he looks like Josiah Scott, right? I mean, that's that's exactly who I thought of and possibly. Possibly even uh, better. I don't want to say better from a coverage standpoint, but his tackling is kind of absurd. I, I, for for a freshman, it was, I mean it, that it is. reminded me of it, it. reminded me of Jeremy Ware when I, I when he was the way he was yeah. hitting. Like those receivers were afraid of him, and he's 180 pounds, five ten. I mean, it was very impressive. He's he, he, he's a player, right? He's a he, he might be the next Shakur Brown because Brown, you know, Brown was a guy that would get kind of he could make he can make you know he can make plays on balls on the ball, but he wasn't really he wasn't quite. He just couldn't quite get the cornerback turning the hips right and putting him in that nickel position where he can just kind of rove and make plays. I mean, he, I mean, he, he's, he's tied for the national lead of, of it with interceptions. Okay. With five. Okay. That, that's just a raw number, not, not per game. That's, that's in the, that's other people that started playing in September. Um, 
and he's doing it by reading the quarterback's eyes, breaking on the ball like the athlete he is, and and attacking the ball in the air. And I, you know, ironically enough, he has all five of MSU's interceptions, which is kind of funny. Uh, it's all one guy, uh, but but he's really he's really playing well. And, and there's not enough playmakers to be a, a championship team right now. Okay, I think I think we know that. No no one's they're they're two and three for a reason. But there are pieces. And Michael Fletcher is another guy. Deshaun Mallory is someone else that we talked about before we started recording, didn't we? I mean, that's yeah. and he's you know he, he's been a very pleasant surprise. I mean, we we hadn't heard him last year, and we had heard good things in practice. He doesn't come out. I mean, that interior defensive line is very very good. I mean, uh, there are four. You have four legitimate players um, who can you can kind of rotate and not skip a beat. And that's how you start building a championship level defense. And and Tucker has those pieces. That's a huge benefit going forward. Yeah. And I think, and also credit some veterans. I mean, Drew Beasley playing, you know, you know, there, there's a a walk on that, that is, has shed. I mean, he's, he's not Kenny Willekes all American level, but but he's, he's, he's in that plus player category uh, and getting something. I mean, quite frankly, he's played better than Jacob Panishuk all year. And that that's been a that's been a real blessing. And then Michael Fletcher coming along, you know, it, it, there, there's still holes in the roster. There aren't enough linebackers. There are really three. Um, and Antoine Simmons, you know, likely will go to the NFL after this year. Maybe we'll see. Um, and, and they're obviously going to get, you know, hit the portal pretty hard on that. But um, Tucker clearly has a plan and a process in place. And I, I if they can carry over that, at least the discipline into Ohio State, look, uh, Ohio State's best team in the conference, you know, they've got NFL players backing up NFL players, even if they're going to come in exhausted. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, you know, th- that's going to be a heck of a, a heck of a game just, just to keep within 10 points of, you know, that would be an accomplishment, but if they can do that, they can at least show some progress. Uh, I think we'll feel really good about the future. I mean, obviously recruiting recruiting's on the uptick, um, which helps yeah, um, that, I, that win. That win is so big for recruiting. I, that, I'm glad you said that because, you know, one win in this season, you know, you can get negatively recruited. You win at home against a top 10 team. You beat your arch rival that holds, that shows a future that shows the development, you know, who know, we might go Oh, and two in the next two games. We could go one and one. I, I don't know, but the, that really holds people that really shows a future shows development you have to be pleased what you're seeing on the field as a recruit versus if you're a recruit from Ann Arbor, maybe who you're just like, why would I ever play for that guy? You know? Well, and, and I think that goes to the coaching they got in the bye week And, and it, there was some question, you know, we hear about these coaches were, they were good coaches on paper. You know, we, we saw Colorado's having a good season and you know, those guys got a year of, of this coaching staff's coaching. Um, so credit them. Uh, but I, I think the, the, just from a 30,000 foot view standpoint, the defense looked coherent. It looked like a defense that guys knew what they were doing. They played fast. I mean, look, Northwestern doesn't have the greatest receivers, uh, but there was, I mean, there was very little, um, there were very little mistakes, breakdowns. I, I thought the pass rush was, was really strong. I mean, they got four sacks on, on Ramsey who can move a bit. Uh, and, and that was an offensive line that, that played well against a very, very aggressive Wisconsin front. Um, so, so having the, the D tackles, you know, get move, move the way they did and move the, move the line of scrimmage. And then the offensive offense actually looking kind of like a coherent offense. I mean, they moved the ball best they could look. I mean, Rocky Lombardi's limited, right? He's not going to go, 
you know, 30 of 37 passing for 463 yards and seven touchdowns or something like that, you know, or even, or, or even be in that, you know, uh, 25 of 33 passing or something, you know, something that's really high. Uh, he can hit some big shots downfield. They got that. He can run a little bit enough to keep the defense honest. He did that. I mean, 65 yards is, is, is nothing to sneeze at. And, um, you know, and, and some of it was improvising. Uh, he's not the fastest. He's not as fast as Lewerke, but, but he's fast enough, quick enough to, to get something going. And he's tough and he's big and he's a competitor. And you know what? For, for a transition year, that's enough. And so the, the team just looks like it's, it's kind of, I mean, I think four, four guys have entered the portal now. Uh, I think not that there's any malcontents, but guys that just aren't part of the future, uh, they know it. And the guys that are, are, are playing hard. Um, so I, I, I don't know what else you can ask of them except for, you know, that, that win was a, a complete win. Um, and, and it's not even like they played their best game because special teams were a disaster other than the kicker. Yeah. That's the one, I yeah, guess that's the, I, one, I that's the one area that, that absolutely, I, I, you know, if, if Ross Ells doesn't get the special team stuff sorted out quick, uh, move on. Cause that, that's really, that, that is, that, that should not be the detriment that it is. No. And Tucker talked about it a little bit this week saying that they're going to do shuffling and that they're very aware of the, you know, deficiency in special teams. And that has been disappointing, but yeah, I think everything you just said hit the nail on the head. Uh, it's just very, it's very positive. It's very exciting as a Michigan state fan going forward, seeing, you know, Tucker's limited time making an impact and, and the future is bright. And, and I think the next couple of weeks and, you know, spring practice and maybe even a bowl practice will continue to pay big dividends. But I think uh, maybe we should switch it to basketball now, unless you want anything else in the Northwestern no, game. No, no, no. I think that would be a great, um, a great um, a great segue, I think, because if we're going to talk about top 10 wins at home, let's talk about top 10 wins on the road. Where uh, MS, yeah. MSU absolutely, uh, I mean, just just kept Duke at arm's length the whole second half, and and just was a straight up better team. I, I don't know what you can say. I mean, Duke got their usual parade of you know parade of free throws off of nothing contact, which is I, I think ridiculous. And um, you know, I, I I don't know what to say because basketball is not my forte. So, Ronnie, take it away. Well, no, it just – no, it just uh, – so it was obviously Michigan State played Duke. Uh, you know, they first played Notre Dame. Coming in playing Notre Dame, they – Notre Dame is not going to be a great team this year. But they are, an you know, a veteran team. They are, an, you know, a major power five team. So you wanted to see how the team did. And they absolutely passed that test. And, and something I wanted to talk about in that game um, – was they did have a 26 to 0, 0 run and, and that's not feeding off crowd noise and, and that was really because of the defense and the defense coming from the guard play but you know it's Notre Dame you don't really know what you know how good Notre Dame is you go to Duke and Duke is young so you don't know how good Duke is but you know they have legitimate lottery players right Jalen Johnson is a you know a stud and they go into Duke and Duke comes out and punches him in the mouth which is pretty frustrating for Tom I'm sure I mean, but, but then the but, absolute, did they really did they really punch them in the mouth? I mean, I think they're I thought like, so. Like I thought so. six of the six of their first eight points were from the line. It was it just it just there's just something really cheap about the way Duke plays and gets their call. I, I just it, it just yeah. works. No, me I, get it. It, I get it. Because I'm like, it, I actually it's thought not like we Duke, were fouling. 
we never foul Duke. We teach we teach the team not to foul. Yeah. Start no, that. I, I I did think some of the calls early were were uh, they were somewhere ticky tack, but I thought we were fouling and and we really didn't handle the ball pressure well early, and that was concerning. Get down to thirteen to three. But then after that, Aaron Henry has just absolutely taken another step as a player. He's become everything we wanted him to be last year. You know, he's he's running point guard. He's playing so well defensively. Maybe Izzo's best on-ball defender since Gary Harris. Um, and there's just so many parts of this team that are so impressive that one guy can't beat you. And someone I want to talk about, obviously we'll talk a little bit about Aaron Henry, but Joey Hauser. You know, coming in, uh, we didn't know yeah. how good Joey Hauser would be. You know, we had heard things. He was a good shooter at Marquette. And the way he can facilitate, the way he can dribble it up the floor, his game IQ has been so impressive. He's running the team well. He is just a complete different type of player that Izzo has had at the four. I was very impressed with Joey Hauser. What did you think of Joey, Andrew, coming in? I mean, I guess your expectations versus what he looks like so far. So that's a great question. Um, I I didn't think he would have the rebounding prowess that he did. Does uh, that was uh, you know I I thought of him as kind of a more finesse uh, shooting type, you know, uh, stretch guy, but but is absolutely a a finesse player, and he showed some some grit and some toughness that. Uh, it didn't maybe maybe that was my own prejudice you know because he was he no was, i agree he's averaging a double double i didn't think he would rebound like this yeah i mean that's that's what i'm saying i mean that's that's crazy and it, to do it against duke is uh is even crazier yeah yeah and you know i mean the the most interesting thing is you know Izzo normally likes to go 10 11 deep this time of year and he normally, you know, gets it down to about nine players. With COVID, that's not going to be the case. But he legitimately has that many guys to play. And, you know, Hauser gets in early foul trouble. Gabe Brown twisted an ankle, wasn't playing too well. But um, you kind of come in, and all of a sudden Malik Hall comes in and, and gets a double double, and he was fantastic defensively. I mean, he really changed that game for Michigan State. You know, when he came in, and he did a great job on Jalen Johnson when he was in there. And then Julius Marble comes in, you know, a Bingham. This is just not a good game for Bingham. And yeah. there's going to be games like that when the matchup doesn't work. And Julius Marble, great touch, hits a nice little 15-footer, played a fantastic I, defense. I didn't, I, didn't I, mean, know, just, I didn't know he had your, Did you know he had that? Did you know he had that 15-footer? No, no, I mean, I knew he, so I knew he had touch, right? There's a bunch of articles written about how he was a guard and then, you know, he had a growth spurt, but like how he was really underrated. Cause he, you know, you, you had heard he had these things, but you never saw it. So you don't know, but that, you know, you had been hearing it, how good he was on scout team. Izzo said that he might play more in this game and obviously in a big way, the kind of touch he had kind of reminded me of when Tillman was a sophomore and took that next step. Or I mean, sorry, as a freshman, I was super impressed with him and I, I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I so I, I joke around that I, it's really, it is, it is, very hard for me to get into basketball while there's football going on. Like it, it just like, doesn't seem to me that basketball is real until football season's over. Um, which is, it's just me. So it, it, it was a little hard to kind of follow and, and get to know the team, but you know, my expectations during the year, this year were kind of like, this is like the transition year before all the stud five stars come and, and that MSU is a national title contender. 
And I, I think what I failed to realize as, as a, as a more casual basketball fan than I am as a, as a, you know, more focused football fan, uh, is that this, you know, that, that big junior class are now juniors and Izzo does well with, with upperclassmen led rosters. And I, I think the blend that they're getting there, I mean, he's got guys that are willing to work hard and they've been together for a couple of years now. And this is the best, I mean, this is the best they've looked early in the year ever. I mean, they, they almost never win these big early. I, I was expecting, I, was t- I, I told my, I told my friends, I was like, look, I'm expecting to lose by, you know, get down by 20 early to Duke and then end up clawing back and we lose by, you know, seven to 12 or something. And you're like, ah, if only we had played as good in the second half as the first half, it would have been a different game, yada, yada. Uh, no, I mean, they like, they look like they took the, all their grit that they brought from the tournament and their de- I mean, the defense is outstanding. I mean, I mean, I think they held Duke to what? 32% shooting. Yeah. And Duke's not I mean, a great that- shooting team, but the on ball defense is it's incredible. I mean, and, and that's losing cash sucks. Right. But Cash was a bad defender. There, no one's going to well, come out here and say he was an all all he was league a defender. Crafty. He was crafty. Crafty offensively. Was crafty. Defensively, he struggled. But Rocket Watts is a amazing defender. So when you're looking at yes, perimeter defense, you're going you're you're going from you know Rocket Watts, Gabe Brown, who's a good defender, Aaron Henry, who's one of the best defenders Izzo's had. I mean, your worst defend defender on the perimeter. I mean, Foster Lawyer when he plays, and he played very well is Langford and Langford is a good defender. So, I mean, that perimeter defense is improved tremendously last year, just by the personnel changes. There are some, there's a ton of negatives losing cash. The one positive is rocket Watts is a fantastic on ball defender. So, so let me ask you this, cause this is kind of funny. Uh, who do you think is the better defender Tillman or Henry? Well, they're just so different. Um, right. So th- I guess, they're just so different. Henry is re- Henry can guard one through four. I don't think he can guard five. Tillman could guard five, so I guess the answer would be Tillman then. But the way Henry has has played help defense thus far, and, and I mean, he had a block against a Duke player where he just he basically treated him like a child. The, the guy was driving on him. Uh, Henry literally was just was laughing. He waited till he jumped and just threw it right back at him. And uh, so I guess Tillman because he guards one through five, but Aaron Henry. Given his size limitations compared to Tillman, it is better on the one through four than Tillman would be, I guess, if you could say that. But yeah, I mean, Henry is, I mean, and to comp- and that's a Big Ten player, Big Ten defensive player of the year talking in Tillman. So we're talking Henry is equal to that. That is, you know, huge development in general, where Henry was a very good defender always, maybe not so offensively assertive. Whereas this year, it looks like he, I mean, he was seven for 21. The shooting possession wasn't great, but he no. had to shoot the ball to get us into the game because no everyone was afraid at first only henry wasn't and that was really he did, impressive uh, that that stood out to me on uh, when I, I i i dvr'd it and I, I i had some other stuff going on so i i actually caught a chunk of the second half live and had to go the, back and watch the first half and you know i i saw them in the midst of that of that big run in the second half i, I just couldn't believe it i mean I'm, I'm looking at you know this is duke at duke with you know the number one or number two recruiting class coming in and coach k and all this and and state just said nope <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna win this and uh i, I mean it was just it they were just the better team um i mean i i guess i, I mean it, can this team win the title i mean shoot i mean gonzaga looks 
fearsome. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's early though. It's early to say that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's just crazy to me to think that like it, it, what I considered. I, I don't know. Did you not consider this a transition year at all, or? I didn't know. So it was tough because losing Cash and Tillman, you just never know what you're going to get. But you knew you had a guy in Henry um, and Watts. Like So so I always say you need – I mean, I, I, it's kind of like proven over the years that you need at least three players who play in the NBA on the team to yeah, win a national title. In 2000, I think they had four. Um, right. And, and, I mean, Rocket Watts is a pro. Aaron Henry is a pro. And then, you know, who are the other pros? And, and I, before the season – I talked to my, you know, my friends, and we we had decided we thought Gabe Brown would be a pro with his size, but Joey Hauser's probably a pro, right? So you have so many guys right. who could be pros, and everyone so far has improved to what we were hoping. You know, Marvel's I mean, a pleasant looks, surprise. Can he keep it up? Yeah, I mean Bingham. I thought you know he added yeah. he added some good weight and some strength, and that's right. that's been positive too. You know, and you said you know a bad matchup's a bad matchup, right? So it is what it is. Yeah, um, but they've got. But I mean, like it, with a, with a truncated season here, um, I mean they've only got like five non six seven non conference games. Um, the, you know, yeah. Getting getting this win was big for it's not RPI whatever the net rankings or whatever the hell they call it. You know, right? Is um, you know they've got another game at Virginia, which I I hate Virginia. I, I hate Virginia basketball. I think it is the worst form of basketball out there. Um, I think, I think it's, it's tough. tough. It's tough. It, it, it's, it's, it, it tough, tough is tough is, is like to give it like validation. It's a trash way to play the game. I hate it. I think it is. I think it's, it, it is just ugly. It's not the way the game's meant to be played. Um, and I, I think that, that, that they should be kicked out of the ACC and the NCAA. <laughs> well, they are, really, they are the I, reigning I, national title champion. So are they? Oh, I get. Oh, yeah, because last year didn't. Count. I was like, oh, who cares? I mean, they're they're just. It's just a. It's 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 just a. It's like a. It's like a system rather than like good players executing. I guess I don't know. I mean, I guess everything's a system. I, I don't. It just. I don't know. It, it just feels gimmicky and cheap. It's a. And, it's a frustrating. It's a frustrating brand of basketball for sure. And it will be. You, you know what? It, you know. You know. It will be a big game, and, and like you. Sorry. Go on. Oh no no no! I was gonna say I, I liken it to like hurry up no huddles in football, which have kind of gotten away from like the true like blur offenses. But the but like when that was a big deal, where it was like snap the ball in twelve seconds and like ha ha, we just got set up before you could, and it, it just felt like they were gaming the system rather than than playing the playing the game. And I, I guess pack line is is fine, but it's just like and then the, the announcers just salivate over it, which is annoying. Is all get out. And don't get me started on Jay Ball- Billis. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like Tony Bennett. I do like Tony Bennett. Um, I, but that's going to be another tough game. And, and like you said, you know, with the truncated season, it's important to go out and win these games. And, and you know, that win is a difference between a two versus a one seed or a two versus a three seed. Uh, when you get to that line, you know, the committee will look at that. You won at Duke. doesn't matter that there's no fans. They will look at that. And, the, you know, if you can win against Virginia on Wednesday night, all of a sudden now you have two top 20 wins on the road under your belt. That will bode very well going forward. And the Big Ten is going to be a bear. I mean, Iowa's ranked number three, Wisconsin four. Illinois lost last night to Baylor, who's ranked number two, five. So, I mean, this is going to be a tough conference, but it's going to be really exciting to watch going forward. 
Um, anything else you want to say about basketball before we go oh, over to I, Ohio State? Sure, because Ohio State's ranked 23rd and Rutgers is ranked 24th. So, yeah. it, you know, you've got like six or seven Big Ten teams ranked, which is crazy to me. I mean, you're just in a you're just in a great spot. Um, I, you know, I, I, again, I'm not, I'm not one to be able to opine on the, on the X's of the basketball. The game just, for me, just moves too fast to diagnose. It looks like some people, bunch of people run around, pass the ball, and then someone shoots the ball. Like that's, that, that's how I just look at, I, you know, I, I can, I can see rebounding. I can see defense, you know, I can see toughness, but in terms of like, Oh, that set play had this guy down screening for someone. I, it just, it, it just, I just don't get it. So I, I, I really am going to lean on you to, to help educate me on this stuff because it's just, it's a cool game. I enjoy watching it. Um, it, you know, obviously I love state. I love Izzo, but, um, not something I have a lot, a great understanding of. So, so thank you. It, I appreciate it's exciting. Oh, it's, ex- it's exciting. It's exciting. We're all, we're all, uh, we're all super excited. So we're all fans, yeah, right? I, That's just, yeah. I mean, yeah, I get excited. You know, I obviously I get excited during runs and, you know, big three point plays and all that. Um, oh yeah. Did you want to comment anything about the Notre Dame one? I mean, I, well, I just said, said that we've had a big good. stretch. We just had that big stretch and I, I, what I mentioned, but yeah, nothing other than that big stretch. And it was like, I mean, it was very impressive, but it, it, it was, it's a team that's not going to be that good. Right. So it's a good win. It's nice to have on the resume and, and we just killed them. So, I mean, there's not a lot to say about it. Uh, we'll talk about when we come back next week, we'll, you know, have played Virginia and that will be the next big hurdle for this team and to see if they can, you know, duplicate it. And it's the Hauser bowl, the two brothers playing against each other. So right. it'll be interesting to see. Is there a concern? Uh, I just realized they're playing uh, three games in six days. I know. I don't like that either, but I, you know, the scheduling this year has been, oh, you know, and give Kevin Paga a lot of credit. Yeah. Well, you play oh, Detroit tomorrow, like Western Sunday, I think. And then you play Detroit at five, I, which is weird. I know, but they, you know, it's really, I think Western just canceled their game this week because of COVID reasons. Oh, it, that would, it okay. would not surprise me if that game did not right. If that game did not play. So we'll see what happens. That's just speculation. Uh, but yeah, that, I don't love that, but you know, you, you take what you get in this kind of season. Format. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that Virginia game, that is the big 10 ACC ter- challenge, right? That is correct. Okay. That is correct. Yep. Okay. I just wanted to confirm that. I, I can't, I, cause, well, I, cause of COVID who knows? I didn't know if it was still on. I know. Uh, I know. So, so, so I guess speaking the guys. Yeah. Speaking of things we don't know, man, we're killing it with these transitions. Uh, speaking of, of, uh, uh, things that we're not sure are on. Uh, MSU is scheduled to play uh, number four, or number three rank. I don't know if the playoff rankings have come out yet today, tonight. Um, Ohio State in the um, in East Lansing. I, 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 Ronnie, I don't know. I mean, so so the sort of background. Ohio State. Let, let, let's back up. Ohio State had to cancel their game last week because of COVID. The Big Ten rule says if you're positive for COVID, COVID you have to be out 21 days, correct? Correct. PC, okay. So PCR positive. They're, Explain. If you, so like, let's, we won't go too deep, but if you are, if you have a nasal swab and you're positive, that doesn't count to the numbers apparently. Apparently, you have to have the PCR positive for that to count, I guess, because some people don't have the PCR after the – like it could be a false positive. I don't really understand it. 
it seems like a sticker tape thing to, you know, for to get through. I don't really. I mean, I understand that cut like the PC. I understand that. I don't understand why we're counting one way or another. It doesn't matter. But I apparently you have to, it's PCR positive. Apparently, okay. It's just a different test. It's a more specific test. Okay. Um. So, anyways, but but they did have to cancel their game, right? That that I happened. Think so. That happened. Yes. They did not play it. No, no, no. I'm, 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 that, that I'm, I'm stating that that did not happen. They did not. They did not cancel. They did not. Right. Play. But they said and, they said that they could have played. They said that they were like, oh, we could have played. Uh, played. What is? What do you mean? I mean, what? What does that mean? I don't know. That's played. what I, was, I don't. I have no idea. Let's ask Ryan Day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that. See, that seems kind of crazy to me. Like to to hear that. So, um, so anyways, we don't know. They're going to attempt to come to East Lansing and play state because if they don't play at least six games, they're, they're going to be ineligible for the big 10 title game. Ostensibly that would then put them at risk for being considered for a playoff spot, which is their ultimate goal um, this year. So we anticipate them trying to pull off all the stops right now. Their team charter is scheduled to leave at 9 PM on Friday to come from Columbus and come up to East Lansing. Uh, we talked about this before. I, I, I texted you like, this seems like a terrible idea. Um, you're basically, you know, usually teams leave the Thursday, right? You know, before a game and they get up and then they, they have a day there. And and then they, they um, um, with the exception of like going to at least, or something. At least Friday, mo- at least Friday, morning, Friday morning. Yeah, you know. true. So you get a full day, right? Uh, but this is, I mean, maybe it's because I'm getting old, but the thought of like getting in late and then having to get up early and then perform athletically well just doesn't really jive with, I mean, that doesn't sound like it's a great idea. Um, you know, the counter to that is Ohio State's one of the best four teams in the country and they feel like they could probably just roll out of bed and beat MSU. Um, and which is how, quite frankly how, how they're treating this game. That's how their fans are treating the game. Uh, they're all, everything I've seen is 45 to 10, 52 to nothing type scores. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, they're going to be without some people. They're definitely going to be without head coach Ryan day who tested positive. So uh def- longtime defensive line coach, Larry Johnson is going to take over head coaching duties. How much that's going to matter. I, I, I don't know. They're, you know, they're probably going to leave most of the game planning up to the coordinators anyways. Um, but you know, the time we wanted to call timeout, you know, what big picture decisions are going to go through Kim. Uh, obviously he has a fantastic, uh, history at, at, at Penn state. And then, and then at Ohio state as a defensive line coach, everyone loves him. Great guy, great leader. Um, but, uh, Ronnie, I, you've said all week that you don't think this game is going to happen. I, I, knowing how the Big Ten treats Ohio State, oh, it's I would, now. it's going to happen, right? Like they're going to, yeah, they're going to agree. Right? Okay, I, that's that's where I'm coming. At. Ohio State before and Ohio State before the game gets to like pick a handful of our players at random who don't get to play. That's what's going to happen. Big Ten's like are gonna be like, oh, to even this out, you guys just don't play Naquan Jones. Naquan <laughs> Simmons, Naquan Jones, Jalen Naylor, and Jaden Reed. Yeah, we're even. We're even. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're you can even. keep that Rocky kid though. He's fine. He'll stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rocky. Yeah, keep keep Rocky. Let's uh You can have your quarterback. Yeah, you can have your quarterback and, <laughs> and... Yeah. But I, I think you're right. I think the game's happening. I think that they it the way that I've seen 
everything that I've seen, you know, they said it wasn't going to happen. And now, you know, Ohio State magically recovered. And so we will be playing against Ohio State. Uh, I guess we everyone knows Ohio State. Andrew, what do you think the biggest, I don't know how you want to do this, key offensively, defensively, you know, whatever you want to take it away. There is a what, what they're really good at football. Um, I, I think that's really the biggest concern uh, out of the whole thing is that they're very good at both taking the ball into the end zone and then preventing other people from getting the ball into the end zone themselves. Um, they have a tendency to sack the quarterback and prevent their quarterback from being sacked. Uh, they also have a tendency to either run or pass. And uh, no, I okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop Do it, it quite well. Um, they're at, yeah, they, but but no, they don't actually. There there are there are. This is not quite last year's Ohio State team. The defense isn't quite what it was, particularly and oddly enough, their secondary has really struggled. Um, they've only picked off two passes all year. They're like 115th in passing defense and only 97th in pass efficiency defense. Uh, Michael Penix threw for like 400 yards and four touchdowns on them. Uh, now Penix is a really is, is really a good player, but I mean even Rutgers, you know, maybe later in the game got some movement. Uh, Penn State came back a little bit. Uh, Ohio State's kind of had an <laughs> issue this year where they will they come out really strong, particularly particularly like usually by the third offensive series, they kind of kick in and they'll score a touchdown on like three of their next four possessions. Those get, a, get on kind of that buzzsaw roll. And then they've, they've kind of tapered off. Um, either they lose interest, uh, their, their defense blows, a blows a play. Um, it, their defense just is not up to snuff, um, relative to, to where they've been. Uh, and, and I've been, I've been kind of looking at some stats here, you know, on paper, they have the 11th ranked rush defense, but they're giving up 3.6 yards a carry. Uh, for reference, MSU is giving up 3.4. So uh, they're right. They, they aren't a particularly elite in that regard. And that includes sacks, remember. So um, so that's a little, you know, that's a little surprising to me. Um, they are, uh, you know, the, Fields is, is outstanding throwing the ball. I mean, he's completing nearly 80% of his passes. And really, the, really the danger for them is that Fields is such a great athlete. He can escape pressure, keeps his eyes downfield, and he can fling the ball to a couple of, of absolutely elite players in Garrett Wilson and, and Chris Olave. And you've got those playmakers at the both receiver spot. I mean, it reminds me a lot of uh, Ted Ginn Jr. and Santonio Holmes. If you remember, remember those two guys. I I do I do. I yeah, remember. they were. I, I always remember John L. Smith was like, "We're going to do this pooch punt so Ted Ginn Jr. Yeah. doesn't get any returns on us." And then he had two t- return for touchdown. It was hilarious. Correct. Yes, he. Uh, I remember both of them were like ninety nines on uh, on NCAA like two thousand five. Yes, they were with ninety nine <laughs> speed. Just, you just threw yeah, it really high. It was just insane. It was like, okay, we have no hope against these two. Um, you know, and obviously they both had varying good careers in the NFL. Uh, you know, Olave and Wilson aren't quite that good, but they have that definite. You know, this it's it's not like last year where they had like four four really you know Paris Campbell and uh, Ben Victor and a few others where where they really had you know four guys that were were high high level players. It's really just the two. Um, it, you know, and, and I'm I'm really trying to find ways that MSU can can keep this 
reasonable uh because i, I mean look look they're they're scoring um you know 45 points a game they're giving up you know 20 points a game because and a lot of that's in the second half i mean they they not a lot of these games were competitive uh except for indiana that was really the only one that I, I would say throughout Penn state made a bit of a comeback and made it close in the second half, but closer, but closer is like 13 points. You know, Indiana actually had a chance to win that game. Did you see that game at all? Yeah, I watched, I watched that game and I was actually, um, you know, I was really impressed with Pennix, but I thought Ohio state kind of treated it a little lackadaisical, a little like they didn't take Indiana too seriously. And I mean, Justin Fields had two horrible interceptions where he was getting tackled and just whipped it up in the middle of the air just because he could. And I was like, wow. I mean, no one can get away with that but Ohio State. And that made me kind of like question, like, eh, do they even care? I mean, they should because they got they got within a one-point game. But I, I really didn't think they looked too sharp or like that they – but I did watch that game, and, and I was I, – I, they looked more fallible. They looked more beatable um, than I thought they would. But I think that – Ultimately, their run game just wore Indiana down, and and I think that's what we talked about most. Is if Michigan State wants any chance to win, um, they need to stop the run. Well, and 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 that really you're hitting the nail on the head. So Ohio State's rushing. I mean, look, they're not having a quote unquote great year. They're still 15th in the country, 233 yards a game. Um, they're still averaging. Um, you know, 5.2 yards a, a, an attempt as a team. I mean, that's that's excellent. I mean, they're they're excellent. And they're not quite last year's buzzsaw. You know, when they were like at like 5.8 or 6.0 or whatever it was. Um, you know, they've got they've got three three runners, right? They've got Master Teague, who's the, who's their lead back. He's kind of a Carlos Hyde rather than a Zeke Elliott or a or a J.K. Dobbins, where he's more of a north south. I mean, he's big. He's you know, five eleven, two thirty. He's a kind of a bowling ball. He's strong too, um, and and you know they're running basically Urban Meyer's you know power spread. You know, using the H back <laughs> power uh, read option looks uh, with the quarterback Fields as the number three rusher, uh, and then Trey Sermon is the the transfer from Oklahoma, another high four star or five star, whatever he is, uh, and he's really just spelled Teague. Um, he and Teague are both at 5.2 yards a carry. Um, Long's, you know, 40 yards, both of them. I think one's got 36 or something. Uh, so, so none of the like giant, the uh, the 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 huge runs. Uh, Garrett Wilson has a 62 yarder on a, on a jet sweep, but um, but that's really it. Uh, they've been more steady in in kind of just keeping you off balance. Um, what kind of surprised me is that um, in the passing game. Wilson has 31 receptions. Olave has 26. The next highest person has nine. And that's tight end Jeremy Ruckert. So you're not, you're, you really know where the ball's going. It's just a matter of being able to stop it. Um, and they love their crossing routes because the offensive line protects decently, decently enough. I mean, a field has been sacked 12 times in four games. You might not, that might not sound like, it's great protection, but he's so big and he can hang in there long enough that he'll take the sack because there's a chance he's going to throw a, a 45 yard touchdown pass, uh, evading the pressure. So he, he sacks himself as more, you know, as much as the, uh, as much as the O line has, as protection issues. 
Um, but no, I mean, I think the biggest thing that's, that, that's, that's shocking me is, is that their pass defense is not, not great. They really miss, um, last year's, uh, cornerbacks. Okuda. Well, Okuda. Okuda. I mean, they had like yeah. an elite quarter cornerback defensive back system. And, and I, this is speculation, but I, I mean, I heard that was one of the units that was really hit hard by COVID. And, and, and we talked about one thing Rocky does well, he doesn't do a lot well, but he throws the ball. <laughs> Throws the deep ball very far. He He's does got it well, one. very well. So I mean, this right. that would be the matchup to exploit. Can he stay up long enough to do such a thing? Well, and, and that's the question, right? So they've got eleven sacks and twelve. So they've given up twelve sacks. They got eleven. So they're they're averaging nearly three a game, uh, and they're pretty evenly spread out. Um, they've got a monster defensive tackle in Tommy Togiai. Um, he's got three sacks at the interior tackle spot. I mean. It, that's a problem. And then there, there are three linebackers, uh, Pete Warner, Tuff Borland, and Baron Browning. I mean, Borland's been a guy that's maybe not in the most fleet of foot. He's someone that you can kind of target with the crossing route. Uh, Warner is absolutely a stud, and, and Browning is a former five-star recruit who's, who's every bit as athletic as that sounds. Uh, he ap- Browning absolutely – Lewerke actually toyed with him a bit last year's game uh, with, his, with the RPOs. And then finally Browning came on a blitz and just uh, planted him. Um, so you've got a ton of lateral speed with, with, with Browning, uh, Warner, maybe not quite as fast Borland, maybe not quite as fast. Um, so, I mean, there's a reason that they're, they're giving up 3.4, you know, 3.6, whatever yards of carry. Um, they're more of a downhill team. They've got a, uh, they've got good lateral speed and they just get, sometimes they get outflanked. Um, I think sometimes they take plays off cause I think they're, they've been so good. They get bored. Uh, you've got another swarm of stud defensive ends. Zach Harrison's a you know former number one defensive end in the country. Uh, Tyler Friday is another stud. Uh, Jonathan Cooper, I think, has been there for seven years. Um, I, I mean, they, they just rotate those those quick guys. Um, they're not going to do much. They're not going to do anything fancy. I mean, I think you know they they run there. They run quarters. Uh, they've they've done that for a while, um, and. Um, I think really the issue is, you know, Sean Wade at, at cornerback, he's a former five-star too, uh, just isn't up to the prior prior year's iterations. And um, yeah. it, I mean, that's, it, a, that's a pretty not, high I mean, level. That's a pretty high standard. To, that's a pretty high standard to put the poor kid at though. Well, but, but I mean, there, look, I mean, there, there's a, they're having issues with that. I mean, this is not, it, it's not, it, it's not nothing. I mean, they've, uh, you're, you, you've played four. You've played four four teams. You've played Nebraska. And, I mean, Indiana is the only thing resembling a, a top team. Um, but the um, you know they're allowing nearly 300 yards a game through the air. If you want to say, oh, that's because of Penix, fine. But you know, if when I, when I'm looking at this, uh, do, you, do you know what their completion percentage is given up? I do. I do not. Oh come on! You're supposed to. You had homework assignments. Um, what happened to my calculator? I failed. I just, I, I, had, I just had it up. No, it's okay. You're you're, you're forgiven. You know they're giving up 63 percent completion, and they're giving up seven point seven yards per pass attempt. So that's uh, those numbers are not. They're they're they are not good. They are they are, no, those not, are bad. not good by those are bad. by. You know that's uh, by any means not good. Now now MSU. Uh, 
we're focusing on Ohio State not being absolutely absurdly elite, right? So let's you know let, let's kind of pump the brakes. You know, MSU's given up six six nitpicking one yards a little bit. Yeah, we're nitpicking because it's uh, you know I'm trying to give you hope. I mean, look on paper, this is probably a, a 38 to 13 game in favor of Ohio State, if not if not worse. But if you're looking for a way MSU wins, um, you know their ground game isn't quite what it. Ohio State's ground game isn't quite what it is. Uh, they've actually struggled at center in the interior line to get pushed consistently, and that actually matches up well with the defensive tackles. If you know, if you notice the one game MSU absolutely got smoked in in Iowa, uh, their Iowa's centers and guards just got the better of the defensive tackles and erased that advantage. Um, every other game has been, you know, the defense has at least acquitted itself decently uh, on the interior, and um, you know, I, I mean, the the staying with those receivers is going to be tough, but if you can make them one dimensional and force them just to throw the ball, you, you at least have a fighting chance. Especially if you said the weather is going to be miserable, huh? Yeah, I mean, thirty. I don't know if it'll be miserable, like you know, wind or anything, but at thirty six degrees is the high. I mean, that's not ideal. No, it's not, and it makes the ball it makes the ball hard. You're more likely to have to run the ball, which doesn't bode great for MSU's. Um, offense but you know you want you want the game to be a rock fight right you want the game to be yeah that's that's the way to to be kind of yeah kind of be a little ugly you know where where you compress the game into a a fewer fewer plays that matter and you hope you make more of them um look you got to play your perfect game to win this right i mean you're you're not you're not going to get away with that mistake that rocky had against northwestern ohio state's too good They'll 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 throw a touchdown the next play. They're not going to cough it right back up. To and you you have to have a you have to have a clean special teams game. You can't be out there with these sixteen yard net punts. Like you need to have a great special teams day if you want any chance to win this game. I mean, your punter has to be your best one of your best players. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think something to note, you know, Ohio State's special teams are are. They've got good defense. Uh, 14th ranked kickoff return defense. Because I want to turn to this a little bit. You know their um, their net punting is um, actually not great, which is which is surprising. Uh, How many times have they punted? Uh, three, four. <laughs> That's no, I, like. I'm, I, no, 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 no. I, I, but I'm, I'm not kidding about that. I mean, they, they've actually let up some punt returns. Um, they, they've, they're actually 120. That can't be right. Nope, they sure are. 126 and 120, 126th in punt return defense, uh, and 124th in kick return. In kick returns. Uh, they only average 12 and a half yards of kick return. So I don't know if people are just not punting to that pooch kicking to them. And that's why I'm, I'm actually really surprised at that. They have not been, um, their special teams do not look like they've been great. I'm, I'm actually very surprised at that. Yeah. They're 65th in punts returns. That's the best special teams number. Go figure. Um, so that's, I mean, that that's something, but uh, however, you know, their, their turnover margins, you know, they're, they're plus four through four games. Uh, MSU is like, Minus six, so I, you know, or minus five, so I, that that's the story of the game. I, I think I think the key for this game, Ronnie, the offensive line has to keep Rocky clean because that pass rush is is fearsome. Rocky can't make can't get sped up and and 
make poor decisions. And I hate saying this, but you're going to have to hope Ohio State comes out a little flat and that you come out fired up and you can jump on them a little bit and then keep them at arm's length to make it a four-quarter game. Yeah, no, I think that's you hit the nail on the head. I think the offensive line improvement needs to continue for any chance to win the game. But uh, my key is if you can stimmy their run, if you can hold them back a little bit on the run and don't let them just run all over you, I think that you could put them in a really, you know, a game they're not expecting, you know, because Ohio State, it feels like they're just rushing to play to play a game and not really respecting Michigan State as opponent. And, you know, they have the history and the right to not respect if they if they don't want to. But I do think Tucker has done a great job. And I, and I think to overlook us is a poor decision on Ohio State's part. Not that we necessarily have the talent they do, but you know, we could beat, obviously we just shown we can beat someone on any other and and any day if we play our best game and they don't, you know, pay attention. So if we can, if we can stop them from running, then we can put them into a game. And that's when all the other factors come in, you know, COVID-19 what's going on with their team, you know, not having their head football coach. I think to get a game, you have to stop the run. And I think that is the the number one that is the key to the game and i think then if you can show you can do that that can bring this into a game that ohio state is not expecting and has no desire to be in yeah and the, and the difficulty of doing that against so what you can do to really shut down the run game is you can you can angle your dns and you pinch them in and really kind of compress that middle and force everything to the outside now now that this defense is actually supposed to keep everything away from the outside and force everything to the middle uh, and where you hope everything, it's just kind of a meat grinder and, and you can't, you, people can't get off their blocks and the offensive lineman can't get off their blocks and, and the linebackers clean up. Uh, the, 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 the real fly in the ointment is fields because he can, you can get to him and he can just shake you off and, and run for 16 yards easily or look downfield and complete, you know, complete a 27 yard pass because the play broke down and those broken plays. I mean, that's, that's what happened to MSU back in, you know, 2014 against Marcus Mariota. When you face these transcendent talents, you know, Russell Wilson and Anfields and some others, I mean, they look, I mean, these guys are elite and they, they'll make elite plays at times and you got to weather those elite plays. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, they did that against Dwayne Haskins. And it was, you know, it was just an absolutely broken offense that that prevented MSU from making that a fourth quarter game. And the similarities I, I think of in that game really were, were Kari Willis uh, and the defensive line. And you look at how Xavier Henderson's playing, and and this this defense is really, I, Ronnie. I, I, I'll be honest with you, it's really does it, look what they did against. They really they they did lose to Indiana, but look what they did in the second half. You know, Northwestern was yeah. set up with some with some bad spe- there was bad special teams reasons that Northwestern got what they got. I think they held Northwestern to 250 yards and gave up 20 points. That's generally an inefficient defensive performance, not indicative of how good MSU has been. Um, this is a team that this defense is really designed to take on spread offenses. And that's what this this kind of power spread stuff is what's in the Big 12. And this is what this is what uh, Hazelton knows, and so not saying that state can pull the upset or even hang with them because th- this is this is the game where personnel is going to be the issue, right? Um, but I think from a scheme perspective, the the matchup isn't isn't atrocious. Right. Um, with the single high safety look against the the two with two receivers, and then having having Shakur Brown be able to come underneath on those crossers. 
uh, potentially, you know, picking him off if it's behind or or at least making the stop, uh, that gives you some insulation. Um, it, you know, they're only sending two and three guys into patterns. You know, they're not often running, you know, verts. Um, it, that can help. You know, you're going to really need Simmons to spy fields all day, unfortunately, which is going to be a difficult. But, um, you know, there, there's the, this isn't this isn't a flawless Ohio State team. Now, the flip side of this could be the, that Ohio State knows they need style points and they come out and play their best game of the year. And if they do, there's nothing you can do except say, you know, see, see you next year. Right. I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that I mean, this is the barometer. I mean, Tucker made a comment this week about, you know, he recruits because he's picked trying to find guys who can beat Ohio state. And I love that. And that's great. He doesn't have those guys right now. I mean, this is a team that I hope we can compete with in two years. Um, but yeah. that being said, that being said, it's, it's a weird year. This team has impressed me and Ohio state might not be as good as we thought. Now, do I think we're going to win? Absolutely not. But I, I'm not saying it's <laughs> as, as, as outrageous as a comment as it was maybe four weeks ago. I, I would ag- I would agree with that. Um, you know, if MSU plays like they did against Northwestern, and if Ohio State played like they did against this in the second half against Indiana, then MSU has a chance, right? You know, maybe a twenty five percent chance at that point. If Ohio State plays their best game, it's zero. It, you're you're done. You're done as soon as the bells kicked off. Um, so, yeah. a couple of mailbag questions. We'll wrap up. Uh, what will replace the windmill when MSU pulls the upset? Oh man. Uh... I don't know. I really like, I don't know if you've seen it when Rocky Lombardi like gets really excited. He does this weird things with his arms where he like flaps them around and I think it's hysterical. So hopefully that, uh, if okay. I can find a video, I'll post Ro- it, but it's all amazing. right. Ro- Rocky, the flying quarterback. All right. That, that'll be the, yeah. that'll be the, that'll be the thing. Uh, what are the odds? Ohio state hides positive tests to ensure they meet the number of games required. Now I will I, not, I will not comment on that. <laughs> yeah, I won't either. I, I don't think, I don't think you can hide it. I think you can just test within the guidelines and use the tests prescribed. Um, I don't think you have a choice. Uh, and then finally, what did Indy do to keep it close? And can state emulate that aside from ob- the obvious Rocky versus Penix difference? Yeah, I think we talked about it a little bit. I mean, Tom Allen's a great coach and I, I really like him, but I, I think that, you know, they, the Ohio state defense really struggled. I mean, I, I, they, they were holes. Penix had time to throw. I mean, they, they just played their game and Ohio state may not be as elite as we once thought. Now they're very good. They're still the top top five team, but there's, there's places you can get them. It just, are you good enough to get them? And we don't know if we have those kind of guys. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Penix threw for 491 yards, Indiana rushed for negative one yards. So yeah. I mean that's that's kind of silly. I, I think what they I think the important thing there, and I sorry if this is cliche, Indiana didn't quit, and I think that was the I think that's something important. I mean it was thirty five to seven or thirty five to fourteen at one point, and um, and Indiana just didn't stop, right? Um, you know the the Rutgers game I think got to to forty two to nine or something before Rutgers kind of came back late. But they were able to, you know, they kind of run a, a more power offense and and uh, they were able to get 4.4 yards to carry 141 yards. I think running the football and stopping the run, uh, which is kind of not what Indiana did. Um, you're going to need to you're going to need to pass protect and and connect downfield. I mean, that that's really it. I mean, you're, you're going to have to have the receivers to beat their guys one on one. I think MSU actually has them. 
to at least to have the chance at it. Uh, and you know, we're, we're actually very lucky that Rocky's one, one skill that translates favorably to Penix is his deep ball. And yeah. they're going to need that to come out. I, I guess, you know what, you have a good point on the weather. I mean, when that ball is, is cold, it gets, it gets slick. It doesn't quite, you know, it gets a little slippery and it's a little harder to, to fling it. Um, so you might want to, you might see a, a more dedication to the run game, um, there shouldn't be any rain or anything. Um, and, and so if you, no, there's not, there's nothing in the forecast, but I'm sure we are practicing outside. I guarantee yeah. we're practicing outside and we are working on that right now, yeah. you know, yeah. not, right this second. Yeah. And, and you know what, if MSU comes out and they play hard and they, they, they clearly are, are competing for four quarters. I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain. I mean, no, my, my, no one's I, complaining I, about this game. Yeah. I mean, my final score is going to be a uh, 45 to 17. I, I think I think I think it's gonna. It sounds bad, but I, I think MSU is gonna compete for the first half. Uh, I just think Ohio State's got to again, and this is assuming that everyone at Ohio State's healthy. I don't know who's gonna be out. Yeah. I mean, if 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 you know if Justin Fields is out, just God, you know, God, I hope he's okay. But if he's out, throw everything out the window because he is the engine that makes that that offense go. And there is no quarterback on the roster with his physical attributes. That that would be an absolute game changer. If they are missing their defensive tackles, that's another big change. Uh, or or one of their starting linebackers. Those would be, I, I think. Um, so I have heard I have heard they're missing a starting linebacker. Really? Okay. So that would yeah. be that. So that that that's a big one because. Uh, well, I guess if it's Borland, uh, but it's, if, but it's it's spe- it's, spe- it's speculation. Right, speculated. Though, so who knows? Yeah, I mean, sure, the guy's fine, but I mean, this is a game where you really hope you get your tight ends, you know, healthy because that you could really exploit a a, a new starter in a, a place like that. Um, the the Ohio State team I even saw against Indiana is is four touchdowns better than MSU. Yeah. You know, it's, I, you know I think, yeah, I think I would do a 42 21 game and only yeah, that close sure. because I don't, I'm going with the, you know, the COVID and, you know. Yeah. Which is okay. I mean, look, you just, just keep it, you know, don't, don't get your doors blown off and, and you're okay. And then, um, you know, if, and, and who knows? I mean, look, I, 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 the one thing we know is we don't know yet. Uh, we're still, you know, we've only got five games of Mel Tucker under our belt and, uh, we've been surprised quite often positively and negatively. Um, so, you know, maybe you get some consistency. They look, you know, maybe they look like they did against Northwestern. You can just see it's a personnel issue. Um, and that will be what it is. So any other thoughts? Yeah. No, I think we covered it. Okay. All right. Well, on behalf of both of us, hope you had a happy and COVID free Thanksgiving and uh, go green, and hopefully they can uh, crack the buck nuts. Go white.